time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey everybody and welcome. It's Chrissy and Ollie from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, this is episode number 112 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and we kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland, Holly. And what kind of coffee are we brewing today? We're back to French vanilla. Yes, we are with some throat lozenges in it. (laughs) (laughs) So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. But first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubbly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats. Orders $40 and more ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubbly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so how are you doing? We're doing okay. Things are okay. How are they on your side? They're all right. As everyone can tell, I'm under the weather, but that's okay. Today, the voice is the best that it's been in multiple days. And we had to cancel recording for multiple days since I was like the voice of death. You were super froggy. It was not good. (laughs) It was not good. We got to get rid of this stuff in my house, man. I can't take it anymore. (laughs) You do. I don't think I've been in your house in months. After Thanksgiving, once. Yeah. Early December. We celebrated my birthday. That's right. So as everybody knows, we are on Zoom again. We apologize. This is the best that we can do. We don't want to get each other sick. If our sound quality is a little iffy, you know why. So we're just excited to be on here and talking some chickens. Yeah, and this week we have a very special breed that we can't wait to talk about. Has anything fun been going here? I'm very excited about this. You know, Martha and George hatched their babies this past October, our Nankin pullets, and there are two very, very pretty pullets that came from that clutch. Now, the only one of my Nankin roosters that I'm breeding right now is George. And so because these two little girls are full children of George and Martha, they cannot go back in the breeding pen. So, along with one of my older roosters, they are going to live at George Washington's Mount Vernon Estate. Wow, they're going to be superstars. They are. Famous. Yeah, and so once the girls are a little older, they will be in one of the historical coops on the estate, and you can go see them. Yeah, we visited that historic coop before it was redone, so we have to go back and visit it again. Yes, that's really special. I'm very excited about it. And the crew at Mount Vernon are just amazing. They're just fantastic. Yeah, we love Lisa. It's a beautiful place to live anyway. They're a little farther south than we are. They're in Virginia. And I like the fact that I've gotten some of my sheep from them, and now they've gotten some chickens from us. Yeah, it's a swamp. (laughs) Okay, so if you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. While you're there, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode, and it's another great way to help us grow. If you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, you can tell a chicken-loving friend about the podcast. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. You can visit our Etsy shop, check out our t-shirts and mugs. You can become a patron of the show. 
visit patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies check out our levels of membership and the other thing you can do to help support the show is visit our show notes use our affiliate links and discount codes and buy products from our sponsors yay hey chris yeah do you like subscription boxes does it have anything to do with chickens of course then yeah let me take a minute to tell you about the chicken love box If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the mega box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the November box, I absolutely love that glass rooster cutting board and the woven chicken tea towel. I adore those Santa chicken hats and scarves, and I cannot wait to hang those chicken ornaments up on my chicken tree. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order, and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery. Defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business, working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. La, 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 la. Time for the Breed Spotlight, yeah. Yeah. Okay, this week's Breed Spotlight is... The Cochin. Yay! We are super excited to be talking about the Cochin because, as you heard, if you listened to last week, we are getting them from McMurray Hatchery this spring. That's right. I have one now, but you'll have three and I'll have three more. And they're just... I just love them so much. Cochins are the original fancy chicken. They originated in China, and then they were further developed in the U.S. and the U.K., and they gradually became the gorgeous, super fluffy, feather-footed, gorgeous beauties that we know and love today. One of the interesting things about the Cochins is that they're foundation breeds for so many chicken breeds all over the world. It was kind of be hard to list them all. There are so many. Okay, so let's list a few of them. That's the Plymouth Rocks, the Well Summers, Wyandotte, the Orpingtons, the Buckeyes, and the Barnenvelders. There are a lot of our favorites. We'll talk about this in a bit, but there are not a lot of records about when Cochins arrived in the U.S., so they very well may have been here to be foundation breeds for some of these early birds. Even the Rhode Island Red, I saw mentions that there could be Cochins in them, but nothing was substantiated. So I didn't list it as an official breed that they were a foundation for, but it's a possibility. Lewis Wright calls the Cochin the father of the poultry fancy, and none may dispute his place of honor. Sally Coulthard, the author, she quotes Lewis Wright in her newest book, Foul Play, and really explains what he's talking about. The Cochin was the breed that changed how people view chickens. She says this was the moment when public perception of chickens shifted from backyard scavengers to valuable pets. 
Well, if you look at them, they look beautiful. You know, all chickens to me, whatever they look like are beautiful. But what I'm saying is they look like they belong in a show ring with the feathers everywhere. And, you know, I can see how that could happen. We keep coming back to the word fancy. On the one hand, fancying means showing. Fancying means to love something. And fancy just means extra. The thing about Cochins is that we don't really know how long they were in China. So Cochins are a member of the Asiatic class, along with the Brahmas and the Langshans. Yeah. Large, extremely well-feathered and fluffy chickens, and they take a long time to grow and mature into their full size. Yes. They are used by some people as dual-purpose chickens, but the greatest majority of people who keep and breed them do it for showing And as pets and as layers, you're not going to get them to be your number one laying breed, but they do give you some eggs. Yeah. They come in a variety of gorgeous colors, and they're really known the world over for their gentle personalities and the calm disposition. I can't believe that in my almost 10 years of chicken keeping, I'm just now getting them. I kind of can't believe it either, honestly, because they're just literally our coach and Emma, you pick her up and she just hangs out there. She doesn't move. She doesn't flush. She's content. So the Livestock Conservancy currently lists the Cochin in the recovering category of the conservation priority list. I can't believe they were ever in trouble. I know, but they were. It's funny how trends change in chicken keeping. It's been dominated by the industrial chicken, the Rhode Island Reds, the Leghorns. Let's get more and more and more eggs. Now we're seeing the times turn a little bit where we want them for their eggs, but we want them for companions just as much. So here comes the coaching back into play. And their beauty too. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love a beautiful chicken. Who doesn't? I agree with you. I think all chickens are beautiful, but these girls, oh my goodness. So there is a bantam coaching, but it is actually a separate breed. The rest yes. of the world knows it as a Pekin. And just a little background, standard size cochins were bred into the Pekins at various points. So the Pekin or what we call the Bantam Cochin, it does have some standard cochin DNA in it, but it is a separate breed and they get their own breed spotlight. Which we've done and reminds me of when we went to the swap and I wanted to get that one little one that that woman had already bought. Yeah, you were really excited about her. She was a modeled cochin Bantam and just beautiful. I would have come home with her and not known what to do because I would have been my only bantam, but Which I was ready to just take her. We would have been driving home in the minivan and I would have been holding her and I would have gotten pooped on. That's what that means. <laughs> I don't want to get pooped on. The breed standard calls for the coach to weigh about 11 pounds and about 8.5. That's pretty big. That's Orpington big. It big. is big. Now, I just have to say this. They are supposed to be this big. It does not make them fat. Please do not restrict feed for your Asiatics or any other big breeds. They're supposed to be this big. It is not unhealthy. I mean, when they're overly feathered, they look bigger than they actually are. And you can just understand over feathering for weight. They're big chickens. They need to weigh this much. They do. They're supposed to weigh this much. The beautiful Cochin has red faces, red earlobes, and they have a moderately sized straight comb. Their legs and feet are yellow in most colors, but a few have slate legs. And they're very heavily feathered, which is one of our favorite things about this breed are the feathery legs because you can't tell where the body ends and the legs begin. Let's look at Sam and Favreau's. They have feathery feet. It's not really the whole leg. It's a little bit on the leg, but not like the Cochin. The Cochin has the entire legs, everything feathered. 
Yeah, I think they're probably the most heavily foot feathered of the breeds. I mean, literally, you don't really see much more of their skin except the two inner toes. Now, their tails, both the hens and roosters have these short, wide tails, and it makes them look even fluffier. And then when you add either the roost saddle feathers or the hen's cushion, you know, the big cushion they have in the back, yeah, makes them look even bigger. It's like they have this super fluffy booty. So you were getting like the fluffiest thing that you can get when you get a cochin. I don't think there's many more chickens out there that are going to have as much of a fluff factor as the cochin chicken has. No, they they are actually even fluffier than Orpingtons, which is hard to believe, but they are. How dare you say that? I know, but it's true. (laughs) That's why my Jubilee Orpingtons are in with my Brahmas and cochins. Super fluff. And they know it. So we didn't find any clear answer about when and how the cochins first arrived in the U.S., I mean, it's possible that they came in on a tea clipper ship that was coming in from China or another part of Asia. We do know they were definitely present during the second half of the 19th century. So Shanghai's, which were their original name, we'll explain that in a bit. Shanghai fowls were documented as being in Boston for the first U.S. poultry show in 1849. And then they showed up in the first printing of the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1874. The APA notes in the Standard of Perfection that the original Cochins were most likely buff in color, but by 1874, there were four color varieties that were admitted. Okay, so they came over, there's one color, that's it. After a short time, we're already boosted to four colors. People are like, we like this chicken, we like the body shape of this chicken. Let's make as many colors as we can. It does kind of remind you of the UK and the Warpington. They do have some parallels. I wish we knew more about them early on. The thing is, until they came out of China and arrived here in the U.S. and in the U.K., we don't know any of their history. We don't know how many hundreds of years old they are. We don't really have an origin story for them. We have a couple hundred years with them, but they may have a very, very, very long history that we're not aware of. So the four colors that showed up in the Standard of Perfection at first were buff, white, black, And Partridge, one of our faves. In the ensuing years, several more colors have been added, including silver-laced, gold-laced, the blue, the brown, and the bard or cuckoo. There's a lot of color varieties. I don't know which one is more, the Orpington or the Cochin, though. I don't know. There's lots of color varieties in these chickens. The lacing is what makes them beautiful. And you and I have talked about this for a while now that we think some of like the silver lacing came from the Wyandotte. I think that is a good guess. That silver lacing may have come from the Wyandotte. It's just as stunning as the Wyandotte's lacing. So it remains to be seen. I have to do some more research on the individual colorways. I think that would be fascinating. On to the history. The history that we know. Queen Victoria of England is probably the most famous coach and lover in history. Victoria loved animals, and she kept a pretty large variety of poultry and fowl. Not long after she took the throne in 1837, she commissioned a very large aviary on the grounds of Windsor Castle. Wow. Yeah, and sources say she spent a lot of time there with her different birds. But it was the gift of five Cochin China hens and two Cochin China roosters by Edward Belcher, He was an officer in Her Majesty's Navy, and these delighted her the most. She was enthralled with them. So she was just like every other chicken lady that went out for peace and quiet and sat with her chickens and enjoyed just watching them do their thing and being with them. Oh, yeah. It's hard to be queen. I can imagine that was a very welcome break. 
Exactly. So in an interesting twist, the chickens that we now call cochins were not the same birds known as cochins in China. So these famous Cochin China birds that first captivated Queen Victoria were actually large chickens that were a lot closer in appearance to the melee. And they may have had a completely different name in China or wherever in Asia they came from. An illustration was published in a periodical that showed a group of them. It's an artist's drawing, but they're long-legged, long-necked. They have a tight, hard feathering instead of a loose, fluffy feathering. So they're not the Cochin that we all know and love. Nope, not at all. That's where this gets kind of crazy. So the birds that we know as cochins first showed up in the UK a little later in 1847, and they arrived on a tea clipper ship that was docked outside of London. They were the large, fluffy, feather-legged birds that we're talking about now. The little short-legged ones. They're not short-legged. They just look short-legged. Those feathers, it makes them look short, short-legged. Well, it looks like, like they're feather dusters, like Pekingese dogs. They, gonna, you know, they I'm brush gonna, the floor. I'm going to call them shorty big pants. Well, at first, the shorty big pants <laughs> were known as the Shanghai fowl, and that was the place from which they were probably imported. But for some reason, people persisted in calling them Shanghai cochins, and then later they just dropped it all and kept calling them cochins. It was this new form of cochin that ignited hen fever in the UK and the US. So the very first cochins were the cochins, and the second ones coming in may not have had anything to do with that breed, the cochin, but everyone just changed them into the cochins because they liked the breed and they liked the name, and they said, okay, now these are the cochins. I'll have to find a copy of the illustration and see if I can link it in the show notes for this episode, because when you look at the illustration... You're going to be like, that looks more like a melee or an a seal or one of the other larger Asian birds. I don't think there's any near genetic connection between those original Cochin Chinas and the birds that we call Cochins now. That's just crazy. It is. It's interesting. And they touched off the hen fever. So if you don't know what hen fever is, people went crazy over chickens during hen fever. Queen Victoria set the fashion. You know, she had this aviary and these chickens that she adored. People took one look at these feathery chickens and they went crazy. People were paying exorbitant amounts of money to get pure breed chickens. The other really interesting thing is it wasn't just cochins that were swept up in this whole thing. Brahmas, Seabrights, Yorkings, and even white-faced Black Spanish were among the breeds that were selling for these gigantic sums of money. I think we looked it up at one point in time and we were saying like a pair of chickens sold for like hundreds of dollars for a yeah. period of time was like thousands and thousands of dollars now. Yes. It just goes to show you influencing has been there throughout history. It's not a new thing of today. It's just in different formats. Right. It's a trendsetter or a fashion maker in a different format. That's exactly right. Exactly. The upper and middle classes just could not get enough of breed-specific chicken. They just wanted these unusual breeds. This craze was kind of fueled by a few different things. The 19th century, there was a lot of interest in naturalism. You're talking like Charles Darwin, those sorts of things. More of Asia had opened to Western trade and the British Empire had made inroads into a lot of Asia. The other thing is that there were more wealthy people due to the Industrial Revolution, and they could afford to spend money on pet chickens. People think it's a new thing, and it's not. I mean, that's the thing to understand. We like pretty chickens. So these days, the beautiful cochins are generally still kept as pets, as showbirds, or as good broody hens. Historically, cochin broody hens have often been used to hatch ducks and geese. I could see it because they have a lot of feather to cover these eggs. 
they got the broad body. So why not use this chicken to help your ducks and geese in hatching? It makes perfect sense. My farm vet now, Dr. Wells, when we were kids, we were all in 4-H. And he raised ducks and he kept coaching hens specifically to hatch his ducks. Honestly, it makes perfect sense. I mean, they're big, they're feathered, they're going to keep more bigger eggs warm. And actually, that also is another reason why, just like the Nankin Bantams, the Cochins were hatching waterfowl. The Nankin Bantams were generally hatching pheasants and grouse and these birds that were used for sporting. Right. So it would have been people with money hatching these kinds of birds. It was a big thing. It was, yeah. So the Cochin is so gentle and laid back that they make really excellent family pets. They do very well in a mixed flock of other gentle breeds. Yes. Though I will caution you, over the years, we had three different Cochin roosters. One of them was not a nice guy. That's the one that chased me across the farm. (laughs) His name was Hugo. My mom called him Randy. Ha ha ha. But the other two were Mr. Darcy and I can't remember that third guy's name, but he was a beautiful black cockerel. Those two were nice. Hugo was not so nice. As we mentioned before... Hens are not the best layers. About two or three eggs per week. They're large brown eggs. Sometimes when you want a big cuddly pet kind of chicken, they're not known to be the best egg layers. If you have four or five of these chickens, you're going to have more than enough eggs to feed your family. You definitely will. A lot of the poultry historians wrote about coaching. Sometimes when we do a rare breed, I'll find it mentioned in maybe one or two of my poultry history books. Everyone wrote about the coaching. Edmund Dixon... Taggart Meyer, Lewis Wright, John Taggart, all of them write about the Cochin. And the one common theme I saw in all of them is they believe that the US and the UK were breeding all of the useful things out of the Cochin. So they're making them pretty for the shoe ring, but sacrificing their egg laying ability. It could be true. Well, I have so many chickens that I don't need to worry about how often they lay. It doesn't matter to me. Me too. If you get to a point where you have enough chickens, then you're adding chickens in because of your love of yep. and your passion of having different breeds and beautiful feathering and birds that you can carry around and be a pet. We are grateful that they give us eggs to eat and bake and do everything with. But I can see the people in the U.S. saying, oh, this chicken could be more beautiful. Let's do this and let's yeah. do that. And they did. I mean, it's a beautiful chicken. It's a gorgeous chicken. Essentially, what we're beating around the bush here, they're really not a practical homestead breed. They're a fun homestead breed. Right. But if you're really looking for a dual purpose chicken that's going to be maximum food supply, the coaching probably isn't it. So even though they're not the most practical breed in the world, they more than make up for it in looks and that sweet personality. I call my coachins and Brahmas my plus size supermodels. And being a plus size <laughs> lady myself, I can say that they're my plus size supermodels. And I think they are some of the best hens to hug. Oh, it's such a big armful a of big warmth. Hug. I love them. I know. There's something about hugging a big fluffy chicken that makes it even better. All mine are like, can you please get some coachins so you can stop hugging us and hug the coachins a little bit more? <laughs> When I bend down to get them and hug them, they're like, not again, lady, not again. But this chicken is made for chicken hugs. If you're looking for coaching chickens, where can we tell everybody to go? First stop, McMurray Hatchery. They have got some gorgeous coaching lines, and they include the black, the blue, white, buff, uh, the partridge. And the gorgeous silver lace is what I'm getting this year. I'm so, so excited. 
Yeah, I'm getting another silver laced, a blue, Pete wanted a blue, and then a partridge. The partridge is just a stunner. We have just spent like the last, however long this breed spotlight is, writing a love letter to the Cochin because they're just that amazing. Love everything about them. Yeah, they are really an amazing pet chicken. You know what? I've realized that I would have been right in the middle of hen fever. They're very eye-pleasing. And that's one of the first things that gets you in anything is, are your eyes drawn to this chicken? And yes, they are. For me, it is two-sided. It is their looks and their personality because they are so sweet. Personality is definitely number one with me. Now, we were talking about the wine dot coming in because that is not a laid-back chicken, but it doesn't do enough to the coach to sway them over that way. Yeah, it must not. That's going to be its own body of research, finding how these color varieties for the Cochins were created. And the lovely Barnenvelder, that chicken in itself, the beauty that chicken has, and then add it into the Cochin. I well, mean, the, the Barnenvelder definitely has Cochin in its background. Yeah, No doubt. And I mean, we've been talking over and over again how that's a sleeper breed. I don't think any hopes that our flock should be without a Barnenvelder because you don't know what you're missing until you have them. We got slightly off track because we just go crazy over these birds. So if you are ordering your Cochins from McMurray, you can request both Merrick's and Coccidiosis vaccines if you want your birds vaccinated. Cochins are still a little bit rare in the feed stores. You don't really see them. I've never seen them in the feed stores. So the Cochins are popular with breeders though. So if you don't want to order chicks through the mail, and if you can't find them in your local feed store, I would do a Google search for breeders near you and see if there are any local that will sell to you. Now, if you have some beautiful coaches, send some pictures via Instagram, tag us. We'll give you a story. We can't wait to see your coach and send us those pictures. Can you tell that we love this chicken? We love this chicken. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from Amazon.com or Nestera.us. Use our code CWTCLP10 for 10% off. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, take a look at Roosty's store on Amazon.com. We've personally tested their products and we're huge fans. They have their famous nesting pads, those fantastic chick water and feeder kits, do-it-yourself port feeder kits, water nipple and water or cup kits. And you don't even need to drive to the stores. They're all available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Visit Amazon.com and check out the Roosty's range or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so let's move on to main topic. Yeah. Yeah. So this week's main topic, we're talking about vitamin and mineral deficiency in all different kinds of chickens. So when I started research for this, the first thing I realized is that there are many, many, many studies on the effects of vitamin and mineral deficiencies in chickens. Now, the majority of them focus on chicks, and this makes sense given their fast growth rate. A lot of the other studies focus on industrial broilers and layers, both of which generally live in unnatural settings. So that makes sense too. And even though the studies don't specifically deal with our backyard layers, we can still learn from them. I should say that this main topic, we are just scratching the surface of this subject. We don't have time to go too far in depth. I mean, the reality is you could easily write a dissertation or several dissertations on this subject. 
it's really important because vitamins and minerals, whether they're in the feed or we're supplementing them, they're what these chicks and chickens need to thrive. And vitamins and minerals are crucial for this. Absolutely. So we'll start with chicks and growing pullets and cockerels. Let's do it. So young chickens grow very quickly. And the whole while they're growing, they're producing and molting feathers in rapid progression. So let's look at it this way. You get home with this little tiny baby chick. And then in like two days, you're like, how did you get this big? And where are all your little down feathers? They're gone. So we know that takes a lot of different vitamins and minerals and everything else to get feathers growing. They do it multiple times during that first year. It's important to feed your chicks a high quality balanced chick ration to make sure that they have everything they need at all times. Because of their accelerated growth, vitamin and mineral deficiencies can cause big problems for chicks and growing pullets and cockerels very quickly. It can be a matter of life and death. Reacting quickly and knowing they're not thriving, this may be something in my vitamins and minerals that they're not getting. But like you said, number one, feeding a high quality feed is so important. Some chicks actually hatch with deficiencies in the egg. You know, the hen did not have enough of whatever nutrient to pass along in her eggs. And so the chick hatches with a deficiency. Vitamin A is one of the ones you see, and it causes a whole host of problems. The chick may be lethargic and weak. They may have irregular feather growth. They can also have eye inflammation and sores in their mouth. None of that's good. No, nothing is good when you get a one to two day old chick and you're having problems. Vitamin E is also a deficiency in chicks. It can cause dystrophy in muscles, mushy brain disease, and can sometimes contribute to rye neck. Now, rye neck is a big, big problem with chicks. I've seen in a lot of places, I've seen veterinarians and other people in the field say, look, we have really good quality chick feed that should take care of any vitamin deficiencies. But I've also seen tons of people in forums saying my chick has Rynet. So it's clearly still a problem. It's definitely one that you will know when you see because the neck will be distorted. The chick will be looking up. It will bend down too. Yeah, just the neck will be a problem. And you'll notice this in your chicks. Some progress quicker than others. And when they do, their bodies can't keep up with that progression. And that's why even companies like our sponsor, Strong Animal Chicken Essentials, has the chick elixir, the little baby elixir, because they sometimes do need a little extra. My Ricardo Montalban was so enormous. I mean, he was 15 pounds as an adult rooster, but he grew so quickly as a chick that he did develop some vitamin deficiencies. And we got him on polyvisol and solved the problem. But it happens. So deficiencies in the B vitamins, and there's a whole host of B vitamins, but deficiencies in the B vitamins may also cause rye neck. They can cause neurological problems, stunted growth, poor feathering, and reduced absorption in the intestines. Your chick will be underweight then because they're not going to be getting the nutrients out of the food. All these things are in good quality food. So it's not a good idea to skimp on the food. The food is really, really important. Get the highest quality food you can. Babies need excellent food. Okay, so let's look at D3, calcium, phosphorus. They're all important in bone growth because chicks deficient in these can get rickets. Yes, I said rickets in your chicks. So it's really important that something that you have is well-balanced. And I always say in this day and age, because it's available, extra chick vitamins are a really good thing. Yeah, there are definitely vitamin and mineral formulations for chicks. Each one can be different. So you do want to follow manufacturer's instructions on them. Some of them you can't do multiple days. Others can do every day. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with supplementing. 
So then we move into laying hens. They're different, but can be just as bad because you're dealing with a chicken that is laying an egg and they need all sorts of vitamins and minerals for this process. So they need all of the usuals, you know, that like their base is all the usuals, A, E, the B vitamins, K, all the usual minerals. So the most common vitamin and mineral deficiencies and imbalances and layers are probably what you would guess, calcium, phosphorus, and vitamin D. Those all work together and they all support egg life. So it's really important to watch what your chicken's eggs actually look like also, because that can tell you a story if they're vitamin and mineral deficient. If there's a shortage of any of those three or an imbalance, you will definitely start to see egg abnormalities, some reproductive issues. Calcium deficiency is sometimes caused by a vitamin D deficiency because vitamin D is needed to metabolize the calcium. Yeah. A couple of the other causes for too little calcium could be too many snacks and not enough balanced layer food. Or this is probably the least known of all the sources of calcium deficiency. Too much spinach or other foods that contain high amounts of oxalic acid. We talk about this all the time. We have lots of people that ask us or talk to us about giving their chickens spinach. And we say every time, please pick kale. It's a much better, healthy, dark, leafy green for your chicken. Right, especially for laying hens, because the oxalic acid is said to lower the hen's available calcium level and can cause soft-shelled eggs. I did find a study specifically on this. So there's a 2011 study that was a collaboration, West Texas A&M, the University of Baluchistan in Pakistan, and the Ministry of Education in Victoria, Canada. Wow, that's global. Yeah, it really is. Laying hens are a global phenomenon. So they did this study and they found that hens that were given supplemental oxalic acids had a reduction in calcium in their eggshells over an extended period of time. One of the researchers, they just did a few days. It didn't make a big deal. Over an extended period of time, noticeable difference. They also found that hens getting the supplementation stopped eating as much. The higher the oxalic acid in their diet, the less food they would consume. Kale, it's a dark leafy green that is high, high in vitamin C. It's really good for them. Spinach, just take it out. I mean, we all have it in our house for us, but just take it out of the chicken's diet. They don't need it. Yeah, I mean, it's not the end of the world if you fed them spinach here or there, but kale's a better option. So besides going very easy on spinach, other things that have a lot of oxalic acid, one are my beloved beet greens. Oh, but God. That, well, I don't have to worry about that. I don't eat those. Well, have you ever had the beet greens, though? I think I have had them at your house. They're so good. So the chickens can't have the beet greens. Eat them yourself. Buckwheat also has a high level of oxalic acid. Yeah. Another reason not to feed those potatoes. And the big one, this one you can never feed ever because it is so high in oxalic acid, it is poisonous to people and animals, and that's rhubarb leaves. Don't eat them and do not give them to your chickens either. So like we mentioned before, if you're going to be hatching eggs from any of your hens, you've got to make sure they have a great diet. And we would add some vitamin and mineral supplements to their water every now and again, following manufacturer's instructions. It's like prenatals. The chickens yeah. eat them too. Having a chick last year that, okay, she had an injury in transport, but she had failure to thrive. Having that and experiencing that, I don't want anybody else to have to go through that. You know, hers was due to a neurological injury, but it can happen in any way, shape or form. It's not fun. So give your adults that are going to be laying hatching eggs some good vitamins. Because it can pass from hen to chick. I like the idea of looking at them like prenatal vitamins. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. So, on to the boys. 
Roosters need most of the same vitamins and minerals as hens, but not as much calcium and just slightly more protein. Too much protein and calcium can cause gout. It's usually, but not always, articular gout, and that shows up as painful swelling in their feet and legs. Along with gout can come kidney damage too. It's a really bad way to go. Now, I saw in a couple of places people saying that roosters could somehow metabolize the calcium like their phosphorus level shifted. So I went digging. Study after study after study confirmed that too much calcium and too much protein really do cause these issues in roosters. There's a simple solution, feed an all flock. Exactly. Good for your entire flock. And always, always have oyster shells available for your chickens because they know when they need it. But the boys don't need it and they won't eat it. I've never had a boy eat a bunch of oyster shell. Peck at it once in a while to see what it is. But you're right. And just to address the whole calcium thing, we say this in a lot of episodes, but oyster shells are the best source because they stay in the system for a long time. It's like a slow release. If you feed your chickens their eggshells or even their layer food, they give quick shots of calcium. It doesn't stay in their system as long. That's why the crushed oyster shell is by far the best thing to feed them. It's easy to have out. Uh, There's cute little things you can hang in your runs and they eat them when they need them. So besides the B vitamins to keep the immune system and nervous system strong, the other thing roosters might need a little bit more than the hens is zinc, manganese, and selenium. And they help them grow all of those gorgeous feathers. Yeah, I can see that with all the different colorings that roosters have in their feathers, the vitamins and minerals are just going to enhance these. Just like us taking a multivitamin, our hair shines more, our nails grow more. It's the same thing with them. Oh yeah, you see a shiny, healthy chicken and the feathers just are glorious. The boys have to grow those gigantic sickle and tail feathers. That's got to take some effort. It's so unfair that the boys always get all the pretty feathers. I'll still say it again, but they're really beautiful feathers. They are. And honestly, once you've seen the cushion on the back of a coach and hen by her tail, you stop being jealous of the boys because it's a thing of glory. (laughs) Can you tell we love coachings? The last part of the main topic, we're going to talk about some best practices to prevent deficiencies and imbalances in your chicken's vitamins and minerals. What we've been saying all along, right, is feed a good, high-quality food that's age and sex appropriate for your chickens. So if you have roosters mixed in with your hens, all flock is the way to go. If you just have laying hens, layer feed is the way to go. You always, as a rule, feed to the youngest because everyone can eat the youngest food, but not everybody can eat the layer food. So feeding the correct food, that's number one. Right. Things like scratch grains, treats, and table scraps do not constitute a complete diet. So you want to save those things for later in the day after your flock has had their ration. Oh, yes. If you're going to be breeding or hatching eggs, make sure your hens are well-nourished and they're receiving their recommended daily allowance of all their vitamins and minerals. Like we said before, a lot of deficiencies can be passed from the hen to the egg, resulting in weak and ill chicks or eggs that just don't hatch at all. Have fecal egg counts run on your flock to make sure they're not carrying a huge parasite load. You can also prophylactically deworm once or twice a year as needed. I would say that you and I probably deworm as needed rather than prophylactically. I do both. So Uh I just had a school sample checked on Lucy. So if 
isn't looking as shiny as normal, or the comb's just not as red as I want it to be, or is a little slower, I'm going to deworm with the safeguard and maybe drop off a stole sample afterwards and just say, did you see anything? And that's all in the glory of having that relationship with your veterinarian that you can do that. It really it is important because parasites can cause serious vitamin and mineral deficiencies in your chickens. And like you said, if you have someone who's just looking a little ratty and seems a little off, it's not going to hurt them. We recommend our broad spectrum dewormer. We use liquid safeguard for goats. Safeguard for goats is perfect. It's easy to do. And there's only a 10 day egg withdrawal. It's just a great thing to do. And you can drop the stool sample off later if you need to. But think about parasites what the nature of an intestinal parasite is. It's feeding off of what's coming through the intestines that would normally be absorbed. So it's a vitamin mineral thief. So you, you need to check for them for sure. If you have house chickens, especially hens, they need to get sunlight every day because from sunlight, what do we get? Vitamin D, you know? So if they don't have that, that will come in with their egg laying ability. You'll see a difference in their egg laying. They may even stop laying eggs. Yeah, soft-shelled eggs, not all those sorts of things. Another thing that helps, make sure your birds have a small source of dietary fat. They need that to metabolize the fat-soluble vitamins. It's very, very important. They don't need a ton of fat, but things like suet, healthy fat, sunflower seeds, all of those things are really good sources of fat so they can metabolize those vitamins that they need. And you can use that in the afternoon, like as your treat, you can put yeah. suet out there. And some of them are made just with coconut oil, or they do have some with beef fat. It's not bad for them. It's an important part of their diet in moderation. Absolutely. So here's our last one, and that is to use vitamin and mineral supplements appropriately. So you're going to look at the packages, make sure you're giving them as directed. Don't overdo it. If it says once a week, that's how you have to give it. If it says every day, give it every day. Now, I would read the packages very carefully because we've looked at several of them, and they contain different things. They have different instructions. And Sometimes even the percentages are off on different things. Like you get more this in one and not the other. Stick with one that you really love and don't switch them up. Yeah, that's the best way to go. There are some vitamins and minerals. Vitamin A is one, zinc is another that are toxic if they're ingested in large doses. Yeah, so just read the package. If it says every other day, don't give it every day. There's a reason why it's saying give every other day. Exactly. So we hope that's helpful. Yeah. And the one thing that we didn't talk about in the very beginning that I just wanted to put on there is polyvisol. Before you get chicks in the spring, go to the store. It's in the the baby vitamins and you want to get it without iron. Make sure you have that. If you have a failure to thrive, that is the number one vitamin supplement you want to use. It's polyvisol without iron. Nutridrench is good to have on hand too. And Nutridrench does have a lot of vitamins and minerals in it. But polyvisol has the most available. That's why that's what we use with our chicks. Definitely. Okay, so let's move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Today's cracking the eggs, we're doing... Black bean burgers. We're going to make these like little sliders to go with last week's recipe. They really go well with eggs. It's kind of a crazy combination. But, you know, if you want to do a veggie burger... Or like if you want to do some meat burgers and some veggie burgers, this is a great option to go with the slider recipe. Oh, yeah. They work great at regular size. You can make the sliders with them. You can also add more and different veggies, and you can change the spices to suit your own taste. Like we always do. Make it your way. And you know what I like about black meat burgers? They're pretty. They're nice to look at. 
you can pop in some bell peppers and red or yellow or orange and make them more of a fiesta look if you want to party them up a little bit. There's a lot you can do with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you want a can of black beans rinsed and drained or two cups of cooked black beans, half an onion, finely chopped. You can substitute shallots if you want. I generally have white onions on hand, so I use that. A teaspoon of garlic powder, half a teaspoon of chili powder that is optional depending on whether or not you like some spice in your burgers, half of a sweet potato. I steam it in the microwave. You can get a small sweet potato or half of a big one. So what you do is you peel it, you cut it in small pieces, you steam it in your microwave. You can just put it on a plate with a couple tablespoons of water, cover it, steam it for four or five minutes, and you have nice soft sweet potato to mix in with your burger. Oh yeah, that sounds good. And then you want half of a cup of other veggies, like corn, sliced greens, like the red or green peppers, or even yellow peppers that you mentioned. Yeah. You can really make these into a Fiesta burger for sure. You want one egg, lightly beaten. You want a half of a cup of corn flour, not cornmeal, although you could use cornmeal if you want, but corn flour. If you don't have corn flour, you could substitute rice flour or oat flour, anything like that. Right. And then just salt and pepper to taste. And all we're basically doing is putting it in a bowl, we're mashing it, or just put it in your food processor. It's yeah, you can, so you easy. Can pulse it a few times because you yeah. still look a little chunky. But yeah, either one, mash in a bowl, food processor. You can get some yeah. anger out with the mashing. Oh, yeah. I like my black bean burgers where I actually see pieces of the black bean and everything Me too. else. How the egg works into this recipe is it's your binder. It's helping to keep everything together. This is why eggs are always so important. They're in everything that you really don't even think of sometimes. It's a good way if you only have a few eggs to use your eggs up or if you're making them for a party and you have bigger amounts then use more eggs. So once you form them into the patties and you make the mixture, then you're going to either put them on a pan or a skillet and cook them through. Yeah. And then you get to serve them however you like them, whether that's on a bun or on lettuce or whatever you want. Yeah. And I like my outsides kind of crunchy. I do too. Yeah, I like so- a little brown and crunchy. You can dress it with salsa and some cheddar cheese or salsa and Mexican cheese. Guacamole. Guacamole on top. Absolutely. That's amazing. Well, if you make an egg and stick it on top, then the avocado, everything will go together. Oh, that would be amazing. Oh, I'm hungry now. I know. It sounds really good because it's about dinner time since we're recording. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Make the recipe. Send us some pictures. Show us what you did. We would love to see it. Okay, let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. This week's retail therapy is... Coop and run toys. Okay, so we're talking about boredom busters with toys for your runs and your coops. And we say toys because chickens are highly intelligent. They need something to stimulate their brain where they kind of start turning around and picking on each other because they're bored. Idle chickens are the devil's workshop. They are. And we can look it up (laughs) different stuff. And the one I was going to put out there are the swings. Now, I try to swing with mine even when they were young. They never went for it. But different swings you can put in there. I've seen a lot of videos of these chickens swinging away. It's the cutest thing ever. We had a swing for a while. We had a swing in the Jersey Giants yard. Now, our batch of chicks from two years ago, which the Fayumis and the Leg Bars and Mary Berry and Croissant, the Favreau's. The leg bars like the swings. They like to swing from the swings. And so when we broke down their big brooder and we put them out in the yard, Pete hung a swing in the yard. Yeah. At that point, the swing no longer became a thing for them to sit on and calmly swing. 
it became a launching point. <laughs> the Fayumis and Croissant would leap off of the swing and jump at people. That wasn't even the biggest problem. The biggest problem is when, when they jumped, it would swing backwards. And hit and whoever potentially hit other Yes, hit other chickens. Yeah. So the swing came down for that crazy bunch. So you could try it, see if they might like it. There's some cute videos out there of these little chickens swinging away. There's also yeah. a fun one that you could get that's longer. It's colorful. You can get on Amazon. And it's like a bridge almost that they can jump up and walk across. It yeah. looks kind of fun. It gives them a different roost, but in a fun way. Yeah. They're fun things. They might work for you. So Omelette has actually quite a nice bunch of toys and boredom busters. They're kind of big in the boredom busters category. I would say yeah. they are. Yeah. One of them is called the Poppy Peck toy. Essentially, the toys you're filling with grain or treats and your yeah. chicken has to work to get the food out. They also have this fantastic tree that you can oh, put yeah. inside your run has a variety of roosts on it. Almost everyone I've talked to who has that really loves it. It's a great idea because you don't think of that vertical space. You can fill it with something that they love to climb and jump. So giving them different places higher up would be yeah. a great thing. It's very natural. It takes your run and makes it into more of an aviary. And like you said, all that wasted vertical space, you can use it to keep them entertained a little more. Now, here's a funny toy that you could put in your run. A shade sail. <laughs> Your chickens, yes. Mine did not like the swing, but the Andalusians get up on top of the shade sail like it's their own personal hammock and oh, sit yeah. up there and look down at everybody and then dive bomb them. It's always <laughs> fun. <laughs> and they're funny. It's dual purpose. It's shade and a toy. It's true. And you don't have to spend tons of money, you know, on these things. You can make your own roosts in your run. You know, you can use like large branches. Several years ago, Martha Stewart had an article in one of her magazines. Now her chicken yards and runs are amazing as you would expect. Oh but yeah. She has a yard for her peacocks and the peacocks can be very heavy. They have big spurs. So the article showed her workmen taking a big dead tree with lots of nice long branches and they essentially drilled a hole and put the tree in and made it a freestanding perch. For her oh, peacocks. Yeah, yeah and, that's a good idea. I bring in long branches, like when they've fallen off of our trees on our property. Yeah, yeah. You have to kind of keep moving them because if not, the ground generally grows up over them. Yes. You, know? so you kind of have to move them around, but you can make your own. And the other thing you can do is you can buy a post. They're not that crazy expensive and put it in the corner and then add your own roost to it and yeah. stuff hang from it. Yep. And it takes that vertical space. The other thing is different ways for them to get their food. There's nets, there's steaks, there's kebabs. There's all different kind of ways that you can get their treats out there. They have to work for them and it gets their brain moving a little bit more. Fill it with fresh fruit and veg and it's even better. Yeah. Mine love cabbage. I a lot of times take a screwdriver, take it all the way through the cabbage and then take twine and tie it through and hang it. But I kept forgetting and giving him purple cabbage all the time. Oh, no. And then I would go in. Yeah. And the poo was like all different colors. I'm like, I got to get green cabbage. I can't do this anymore. It's enough to scare the daylights out of you when you see the weird poop from eating the red cabbage. Covered dust baths. So, you know, your chickens usually make their own dust bath here and there. Yeah. But if they're confined for any reason, bring in a couple of covered dust baths. It's a new space for them to get in. You can custom make a blend for them. I've got hens that will get in a dust bath and stay in there for an hour or so. 
And you know what would work? Now, I use an old spare tire off my parents' car for my water bowl. Right. I put bricks in the tire and keeps my water bowl up off the ground. Yep. That would also work for a dust bath. If you yes. had an old spare tire, you don't know what to do with, you put that in there, they can climb on it. The reason I like the spare tire for the water is because I can put a big black rubber bowl in it and the chickens stand on the tire versus the bowl. Right. And it gives them a place to stand to drink their water. It's awesome. Yeah. The other thing we talked about a while ago with Fiona was play gyms, old play gyms that little kids used, a slide, or you find it at a yard sale for five bucks, something that they can jump on, you can rinse off with a hose. Especially in winter when there's just not a lot for chickens to eat, you can either free range them or you can enclose your compost piles and let them loose to turn over the compost, dig for bugs. Yeah. You got to do something because I feel like winter is really hard on chickens. If I look back, a lot of my chickens, if they have like something that might be on the brink of becoming a big problem with them, it always happens during the winter, I feel like. It often does. It often shows up in winter. The winter puts stresses on them. So let's help them out with their brain function and give them some things to keep them busy. Dump a load of chips or a load of shavings. Oh, yeah. Let them scratch around and spread it out for you. They love it. That's a great idea. And it's not that expensive. $7 for a bag of the pine shavings and they'll have a blast. Exactly. Yep. And it's good for your muddy runs. We've had people it's ask. It's very us, good for your muddy runs. Right. So check all these things out. We have some stuff on our Amazon storefront that we like and let us know. So should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Oh, next week we're doing a new breed, the Turkin, otherwise known as the Naked Neck. I can't wait. We are holding our monthly roundtable with Fiona. Our subject is hatching eggs and incubators. It's going to be so much fun to talk to her. Our recipe for cracking the eggs, we're going to do chocolate cherry scones. Oh, I can't wait for those. In retail therapy, we're going to continue the theme and we're going to review some incubators. Because you need an incubator to hatch the eggs. So That's right. If you don't have a broody hand, that's your only bet. So what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs>